We're in the final part of our series, Law. Love always wins. I, I, I don't know about you, but um, it's been a great series. I've enjoyed the series. So let's get into part four, the final part of our series, Law. What's really interesting about law is, is this thing called legalism. You know, we get, kind of can get bound by legalism. And isms are really interesting, isn't it? Aren't they? Isms. So, and because what's, it's kind of like people kind of pick and choose what kind of laws to follow. It's almost like a smorgasbord. I'll take this law. I don't want that one. I enjoy my bacon, so I'll put that on there. So which laws are we supposed to follow? Uh, are we, is it supposed to be like a smorgasbord? We get to ch- uh, pick and choose how, how this is supposed to go. What's this all about? Well, this is what today is all about. It's all about. It's all about exploring these very issues. Now, when I was growing up, many, many moons ago, um, I thought in order to get to heaven, you've got to do four things. And you know what's really surprising? No one actually taught me this. It's somehow I kind of believe these things. And, and what's really interesting is many people believe this as well, whether you go to church or not. And these are the four things I believe that you have to tick off your box in order to get to heaven. And, and number one was this, you got to go to church, at least most Sundays. Number two, Got to pray, at least try to pray at least once a day. And number three is read your Bible. Try to do it at least maybe once a day as well. And number four was be baptized. The big four. Go to church, read your Bible, pray, and be baptized. This is what I thought. This is what I thought church was. And, and just on a, uh, on a, on a side issue, um, the Bible never talks about what we need to do to get into heaven. We ne- we're not going to heaven. It's about heaven and earth coming together. That's what this whole narrative of the Bible, of heaven and earth coming together. So this is what we kind of believe. We, we kind of, we've kind of created our own kind of laws, or we, have these, we adopt these assumptions of what we need to do and how do, we, how do we get into heaven. And the problem with this kind of assumption is that we keep violating these laws. And I don't know about you, I, I, you know, I, I have all these things. If I keep doing these things, I'm going to get into heaven. I'm going to make my way there, the stairway to heaven. If I can get onto that. But we keep... We keep violating all the laws, and after a while, you get like you get kind of fed up. It's like, what's the point? What's the point? I've tried. I'm just not good enough. Uh, whatsoever. Think about this. You know, um, whenever you touch, we see a sign that says uh, "wet paint." It says, "Do not touch." What do we do? We touch it. Whatever it is, we just gotta violate a law, and, and this is the issue that we're facing. And you know what's even worse? We even have people kind of like have their smorgasbords of laws and say, "Look, if you don't follow these laws, you're going to hell." And we're kind of like. What, what is this all about? What's going on? And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, he encountered this in the church of Galatia. And so he's writing to these Christians, to this, to this church that, that, is, that meets together in Galatia. And because Christians are supposed to be free in Christ, not being bound up by, um, by this thing called legalism. So what is legalism? Legalism is the act of putting, putting law above the gospel by establishing requirements for salvation beyond repentance and faith in Jesus. It's, it's going beyond that. No, you know what? We've got to, yes, Jesus died for you, but you've got to follow these things and these things go together. If you follow all these things, then you can go to heaven. And so this is what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. This is what he says. So Christ has truly set us free. And so he opens with that. Who sets us free? Not the law, but Christ. Christ is the one who sets us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Don't tie yourself back up to that. You'll be free. Jesus has set you free. Don't tie yourself up with the law again. So when God gave the law, it was a show man that we, that we couldn't do it on our own. 
Okay, so whenever he gave, the, when, you read, when you read the narrative um, in the Old Testament, you see whenever time God gave a law to the children of Israel, what happens? They violated that law and again and again and again. And it shows that we can't do it alone. Just like don't touch wet paint. We just have to touch this wet paint, don't we? Have you done that before? I, I do that all the time. It says, don't touch that, it's wet paint. And we just got to touch that thing. It's just kind of weird. And so the laws to show us that we, we can't do it on our own. We need a savior. And that Jesus sets us free. And the law, it locks us up. It really can. See, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, you, you've got some kind of moral code that you follow, right? But you even violate that. We all have this kind of moral code, and we still violate it like that. No matter what we do, it shows us that we need a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. But the Torah, the law, and the first five books of the Bible were written to a specific people in a specific time to show the wisdom of God to their ancient neighbors. Now, Jesus and the New Testament writers, they look to the wisdom and the underlying message underneath the Torah. Like, for instance, the Apostle Paul, we're just going to have a break from Galatians. We're going to go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. And the apostle, he writes this, and he says this, Elders who do their work should be respected and paid well. This is what the apostle Paul is saying. Especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Then he goes on. For the scripture says, this is talking of, the, of speaking of the Torah. This is what he says. You must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating, eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who who work, deserve their pay. So what does Apostle Paul, he goes to the Torah. And like most of us, we don't have, I don't have an ox, do you have an ox? So how are we supposed to interpret this, this law about, a, about an ox? We don't muzzle the ox while it's trending grain, so when it's hungry, it can eat the grain. So what the Apostle Paul, he pulls, out the, he pulls out the wisdom, the underlying message from the Torah, and he applies it in our life today. He goes, hey, it's a good idea to pay your pastor. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just using this as an example. I'm not saying, you know. But understand something. What Paul is not doing, he's not creating another law. He's pulling out the wisdom. He's not creating another law. That's not the point. The point is not to create another law. He's just pulling out the underlying wisdom. It's not some kind of law code that locks us up. Think about it like, it's kind of like this, like road barriers, right? The guardrails on the side of the road when we're traveling. What do guardrails do? They direct and they protect us. They keep us from going off the edge. Now, if there was no guardrails there, it, we, can, we can easily fall off there. We get too close to the edge. And so what the guardrails do, if you get too close, what happens? We bang up against these guardrails on the side of the road. Our car might be damaged, but you know what will be, be protected? You'll be protected because if there was no guardrails, your car will go off the edge with a lot more damage, and you know what? Even more damage to us, even loss of life. So, so we have these, these guardrails, these barriers that keep us safe. They direct us, and they keep us safe. See, our greatest regrets could have been avoided. Think about all your greatest, your greatest regrets. All of our greatest regrets could have been avoided if we had some kind of guardrails in our lives, if we had some financial guardrails. I wish I had financial guardrails many, many years ago. And if you had financial guardrails in place, you could, it could have stopped you from falling off the edge. Or, or relational guardrails, or moral guardrails. And that's, this is the point of the law. This is the point of the Torah. It's, it's meant to light up our conscience before we hurt ourselves and before we hurt someone else. It's the wisdom of God that guides us, that directs us, and protects us. 
The law was never meant to be chains that locked us up. It was never meant to be that, but to guide us and to protect us. That's the law. That's the wisdom of God. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 5 and the Apostle Paul, and he, and he carries on in verse 2. He says this, Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, because circumcision was one of the big laws in the Bible, if you, to, be, to be identified as a child of God or, or children of God, every male had to be circumcised. I'm just glad that we don't kind of force people to do that, you know. If you want to come to our church, you know, just go to the back room. We've got some special scissors. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> We're just following the law. Okay, so I'm glad we don't do that. But anyway, let's, let's carry on. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit for you. I say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. What's really interesting is that it's really interesting that the kind of laws we put on people, and the laws that we put on people, we, it's kind of like we lock them up. It's kind of like, you know, why, do, why is it that people kind of pick and choose? Think about it. We kind of... Doesn't it seem like we even pick and choose which laws we should take? Oh, I'll have this one like a smorgasbord. Which one should I follow? Which one should I do? Which one, which one should I ignore? We have all these laws. So how are we supposed to interpret these things and which ones are we, how are we supposed to go? How do we stop us from falling into the trap of legalism, the trap that locks us up? But number one, here's the first thing. Don't put laws on people. Don't lock them up. Remember, the wisdom of God is meant to direct us and protect us not to lock us up and bind us up. See, if God asks you to put something down, He's spoken to you. It's a revelation. Don't put it on others. God's spoken to you. Let's not lock up everybody else. Like, for example, when I was about 18 years of age, just became a Christian, and when I used to rock up to church, you know, I mean, I just wear whatever. I just, to be honest, I would wear, like, um, I'm out in the hood just turning up to church. But you know what? Whenever I got invited to 21st, you know, it's funny because these days I don't get invited to 21st. I get invited, invited to 40ths and 50ths. But anyway, back in the days when I got invited to 21st, I'll put on my best clothes. I'll put on my nicest shirt, my nicest jeans, and I'll go out. And then when I go to church, I'll just kind of like put on my rags. But I remember one, one, one night I was putting on my best clothes, my, my best hat and all these kind of clothes. And, I, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, said why do you give me your second best? And that convicted me. And you know what? Every time I, I, I went to winter and, and had church with people, I, I bought God my best. Why would I give God my second best? I'm going to God, I'm going to give you my best. I'm not going to go to the clubs and give them my best. I'm not going to go to 21st and give them my best. I'm going to give you my best, Lord. But here's the thing. If I start putting that on people, or you know, if, you're gonna, if you want to come to church, you've you got to put on your, your number ones. Otherwise, you can't come to church because you're dishonoring God. You know, that's something that God spoke to me. But the minute I start putting these laws on other people, I'm locking them up. This is something that God spoke to me to direct me, to help me with something that I'm going through. Maybe for you, God has asked you to put down your surfboard for a season, put down your skateboard, or, or maybe whatever it is that's locking you up, that's taking your focus away from God, or, or maybe, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 uh, maybe it's just you're not spending enough time with your family, whatever it is, God is speaking to you. So then, how are we meant to make sense of all these laws? 
Well, Jesus was Jewish, just in case you didn't know that. Jesus was a Jew. Sometimes we need to be reminded. He was a Jew. And when you look at the way of Jewish living, that they lived a repetitious life. And repetition is really good because when you repeat something, it gets into your spirit. And so they would pray three times a day. And they would pray this prayer called the Shema. The Shema means to listen or to hear. The Shema. And this was the most important prayer in Judaism. And it's still the most important prayer in Judaism today. And Jesus certainly prayed this prayer three times a day. So the Shema opens like this, and it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5, part of the Torah, part of the law. So it is seen as one of the most important laws, and and it opens like this. This is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. So what's really interesting is, while Jesus was, was talking to some people, as he does in his ministry, this teacher of this law comes up to Jesus and, and asks Jesus, what is the most important law? What is the most important commandment? And you know what? Don't you want to know too? Wouldn't you want to know? And Jesus will be the best one to give us the answer. Okay? So, so this is how Jesus responds to this person. And here it is. Jesus spells it out to us. This is the most important commandment. Okay, here it is. Verse, in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, in true fairy tale manner, of all the commandments, which is the fairest of them all? And at this point, you expect Jesus just to go straight to the Shema, because Shema was the most important. It was right up there. They had to pray this prayer three times a day, just to remind them who God is, the love of God. And so Jesus goes on in verse 29. The most important one, the most important one is this, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now he's praying the Shema. So far, so good. And every, every Jew who was there said, ah, yes, of course. Yep, that's the Shema. Of course it is. And he goes on, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And then Jesus adds, and with all your mind, he adds that in, and with all your strength. The second is this, and I was like, whoa, wait, wait, what do you mean the second is this, Jesus? What do you mean? Are you adding to the Shema? What, what do you mean? <laughs> and Jesus goes to, and he quotes from a text from our least favorite book in the Bible, right? The book of Leviticus. Yeah, if that's your favorite book in the Bible, well, man, all props to you, that's awesome. <laughs> the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. And it says, but love your neighbor as yourself. And it's really interesting because Jesus combines love God and love your neighbor, love people, as one command. It's not two, but one. Not that, not, it's not that Jesus couldn't count. It's that Jesus has far greater wisdom than us. Love God, love people. And so Jesus grabs these two texts. He grabs the Shema, and he grabs this text from Leviticus, and he puts them together. No one else has ever done this before, but Jesus does, and he's not finished there. And he goes on to say, there is no commandment greater than these. And this is another drop mic scenario. If there was an ancient microphone, he's dropped the mic and he's walked off. What? What do you mean, Jesus? There's no commandment greater than these? There are no commandments greater than these. Jesus pulls the wisdom of the law, the wisdom of the prophets, the wisdom of it all. And he says this, come on, the lens we look through, 
It's through loving God and loving people. It's not two separate laws. Oh, well, I'm loving God first, and if people get in the way, well, I'm putting God first. No, it doesn't work like that. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. They're together. They're together. Well, you know, sorry, I can't, I can't help you out because I'm, I'm, I'm putting God first. No, it doesn't work like that. By putting people first, you put God first. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. Love God. Love people. One law. Not two separate laws, but one law. You can't have one without the other. In fact, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis said this, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. That is so funny. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a lovely idea until you've got neighbors like mine, right? They, they don't mow their lawns. They play their music too loud at nighttime. They have teenagers who are a nuisance. Actually, no, that's me. That's me to my neighbors. No, just kidding. Uh, then, you know, when we've got neighbors like that, right? It's hard. I love what, what theologian, Professor Scott McKnight, he calls this the Jesus Creed. What Jesus quotes in Mark chapter 12, verse 39 to 31, he calls this the Jesus Creed. And he, and he, and he says this, he says, Make this our Shema to listen and to hear. Make this our Shema. Let us pray this. Every time we wake up in the morning and before we go to bed, let us begin to pray the Jesus Creed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we got this in our spirit to love God and to love people? Let me tell you something. There'll, there'll be less road rage out there. There'll be, less, uh, there'll be less family violence. There'll be less people in our prisons. There'll be, there'll be less children left without parents. There'll be less single families. When we can get this in our spirit, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the Torah, the wisdom of the prophets, to love God and to love people. You know, I was, uh, whenever I drive, I don't know about you, I, like, I, I, I'm, a kind of an, I'm a nice guy. People say I'm a nice guy. My wife says I'm a nice guy most of the times. <laughs> but some, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're driving, right, it's kind of like that person in front of you just doesn't know how to drive. And I don't know about you, you kind of think if everybody drives like me, the world would be a safe place, right? Wrong. That's wrong at all. And, and for whatever reason, we can get behind this wheel and we, get, we don't see people. We don't see the person in front of us as people. We see them as cars. Well, this is what I do. I start praying. You know, I, I pray this. Here is the Lord our God. Our, our Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, and strength and love people as ourselves. And as I pray this, and as I get this in my spirit, I begin to see the car in front of me as people whom Jesus loves. Think about it. Every person that you have the potential to hurt is loved by God. Think about that. Every person that you have the potential to hurt is loved by God. Every person that you have the potential to hurt is a child of God. See, see, if you've got an issue with one of my children, you've got an issue with me. You, you, can, you can pray to me every day. You can sing songs, sit in aisles every Sundays. But if you've got an issue with one of my children, you've got an issue with me. Likewise, everybody that we have a potential to hurt is a child of God. When we can see people as God sees them, as we can begin to love God and love people, 
if we got this into our spirit, I encourage you, pray the Jesus Creed. First thing you do when you wake up and the first thing you do when you go to sleep. Whenever this comes to mind, when people get on your nerve, pray the Jesus Creed. To love God, to love people. You know, your, your greatest devotion to God is, is shown by what we do for people. You know, years ago when I was just a youth pastor, I was kind of locking up the building. I was the only one in the building and I just wanted to get home. And as I was locking up, somebody was coming to the door. You know, like you don't want anybody because you want to get home. And there was an elderly gentleman. And he came knocking on the door and he had worry on his face. And, and he said, I need someone to talk to. Is there a pastor here that I can talk to? In my mind, I was thinking, come back tomorrow. You can speak to Pastor Bob, the senior pastor. He can deal with you. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I said, sure, come on in. I'm like, what am I doing, Ants? He sits down with me and he has worry. He's locked up. And he says to me, I can't be forgiven. And I said to him, hey, look, Jesus can forgive you of all your sins. And he says to me, no, he can't. I, was, I said, what do you mean? I read in the Bible that if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you cannot be forgiven. And I bet blaspheme the Holy Spirit, I cannot be forgiven. And he just stole, he just began to stare into nothingness as he was bound and locked up. And the verse that he was quoting is from Mark chapter 3, verse 28. This is not in the Old Testament. This is not part of the Torah. This is in the New Testament. In fact, this is something Jesus says. This is what he says. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This sin will, this sin with eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he, possessed, he was possessed by an evil spirit. This is what was locking up this elderly gentleman. He, like, he felt that he was, because he blasphemed the Holy Spirit, that he could never be forgiven. I began to share with him that when Jesus spoke this, that the Pharisees who were there said to him, look, you, know, you, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. You have an evil spirit. And Jesus said to them, look, if, if you reject the Holy Spirit, the work of me within me, you will never be forgiven. And that's the truth. If you continue to reject Jesus, you reject the Holy Spirit, you can never be forgiven. But here's the good news. If you receive Jesus, if you stop rejecting Him, you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and you will receive forgiveness today. Many of these Pharisees who were there, who Jesus spoke to, they received Jesus after His resurrection, and they became followers of Jesus. But if you continue to reject Him, if you continue to reject the Holy Spirit that works within Him, you will never be forgiven. But the good news is this. If you receive Jesus today, you receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be forgiven today. And the eternal consequences is that you become a child in the kingdom of God. Good consequences. See, I prayed with him and I led him to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And honestly, it was like scales fell from his eyes. And he had a smile from ear to ear. And as he left, I said, well, thank you, Jesus, that you were able to use me. I never saw this elderly gentleman again. I'm just one part on his journey. 
And you know what? If you're watching this right here, right now, I'm one part in your journey with God. See, may you declare the Jesus Creed over your life and you watch your heart change. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment, no law greater than these. Because this is law. Because love always wins. Let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. Because you could be sitting here right now, watching this stream. Maybe you felt like you weren't good enough. Maybe you felt that your sin was too great for God to forgive you of all your sins. Maybe you feel like you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit and God will never forgive you. It is true if you stay that way. If you stay with this heart of stone, then you'll never be forgiven. But let your heart be renewed. And when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit will give you a new heart and give you a heart of flesh, a new heart. And the Holy Spirit will come in. If that's true, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you want to raise your hand for Jesus, you need to make this decision. It is your decision. I can't make it for you. It's got to be your faith. It can't be your parents' faith. It can't be your, your pastor's faith. It can't be anybody's faith. Not your wife's or your husband's or your, or your children. It's got to be your faith. You've got to make that decision yourself. It'll be the greatest decision, decision you'll ever make. So why don't you raise your hand for Jesus? See, on your screens, if you're watching on this platform, We've got this button, raise your hands for Jesus. I encourage you to hit this button. Let this be something that you do in the physical that God is doing in the spiritual. So press this button right now. Raise your hand for Jesus. He can forgive you of all your sins. If you choose Him today, the Holy Spirit will come inside of you and give you a new heart and renew a right spirit within you. Love God, love people. Raise your hand for Jesus right now and let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for those who are making a decision right now. Father, we come before you. Forgive us for our sins. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes inside of us. Right now, Lord, I really want to pray for those people out there who have been locked up by law. Father, your law, your Torah, it directs and protects us. It doesn't lock us up. It's through Jesus Christ that sets us free. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray freedom. Set people free. By your grace, we are saved. So in the name of Jesus, for those who are receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior, in the name of Jesus, Lord, release them. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, go before them. In Jesus' name. Lord, today we receive Jesus. Receive your forgiveness. Receive you as our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.